you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast. Mutually parts ways with the haters. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, alongside some heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wesseling. What's going on? Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm doing well. I think you just cranked up my uh, headset I there, Mike, Mark. <laughs> By mistake, I'm sitting in th- – this is odd. I'm sitting in Dan's chair, which I don't think I've done the entire time in this new yes. Death Star-like setup. I'm we here. are deathly missing our, our good friend and our talented, handsome host, Dan Hansis, who is out today. Just It's a day off. He's taking care of his, his son, Jack. They're spending some quality time before we all leave our families for more than a week in Phoenix, and he'll be joining us there where we have – couple big shows including our post super bowl show our video show should be fun dan got invited to the super bowl you're telling us dan is coming well you you guys have not <laughs> i didn't know that was the case so you're saying dan you don't want dan to be invited no, i'm very happy to know but i just had never you know i didn't know that did you <laughs> that dan was going yeah i figured all of us were going but i never got confirmation on that connor uh, or also going but he should we're going to talk to Connor Orr a little bit later in this show. He's at the Senior Bowl this week in Mobile. We're going to play a, a little game of Who Do You Trust? It's been a while since we played that. We'll get do a little Super Bowl analysis, and we'll also talk about some news. I don't know if you guys have any little chit-chat. You know, at the beginning of the show, we usually have some chit-chat, some interpersonal stuff we usually start with. We got hammered for a little bit too much chit-chat in the last show, but I thought that was delightful to get our grievances out of the way. There was some heat in the group. We got hammered for it? Not here and there. Wait, you were mentioning someone was upset about it. Greg. Yeah, we got we got some, you know, Handsome Hank didn't like it, thought we took too long to get to the show. There were some listeners, but I would say there's many more listeners who seem more interested in our interpersonal um, grievances and insecurities than any football talk. Oh, come on. 
The only tweets I got about that show were, was that it was one of our funniest ever. Yeah, well, and you're right. That's what I got. It uh, was I like agree. 35 positive tweets, but then Henry, Handsome Hank, the program director, said he didn't like it, and so it ceased. He's, he's just miffed about our Jim Tom, Tom Sola analysis. TD. Well, that, could, that could be true. TD Behind the Glass, our producer, of course. Also, Zach Goldman's going to be stepping into this uh, show kind of like Drew Bledsoe in the 2000. And one AFC championship game is going to steer this thing home. <laughs> TD, what do you feel about the, the ratio of like, you know, conversation between us to, to football in general? Well, I'm always a fan of letting people know who the man is behind a little yeah. football analysis. I do think it was a little bit long last episode, though. All right. That'll be fine. We didn't ask you for your full take on it. All right. Enough of that. All right. Let's do some news, TD. We can still win this game. Now stay in it. Four minutes, 50 seconds. Let's go. Main man, Russell Wilson, bringing it on home, down 12 points, four minutes to go. So positive, still believing, and he still pulled it off. Great stuff by NFL Films on Inside the NFL. Yeah, he, he's so positive. He's such a leader. He actually somehow made Brandon Bostic drop a wide-open uh, onside kick. I'm just going to say, I think you're a little scared. Isn't that good? I am. The Seahawks are frightening with their running game and their defense. I would have rather seen the Packers as a Patriots fan. But aren't – all the things going – I'm always going to think next week when I'm there and the Seahawks are talking about all the things that are great about them and all the reasons they're there. And, and it's all true. They've been, you know, the best team in the league the last few years. I'm also going to be thinking, yeah, but none of that would be true if Brandon Bostic caught that onside kick. Yeah, like the Doug Baldwin saying nobody respects their wide receivers. You mean the wide receivers that couldn't separate from <laughs> coverage for 60 minutes in that game and then finally made a play? Well, sometimes things like the tuck rule happen, Greg. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes to get to a Super Bowl, strange, bizarre, historical football moments must occur. That's Touché. true. And it's all about what you do once you get those breaks. And uh, speaking of wacky things involving the Patriots, I guess we got to talk about the biggest story in the NFL right now, which is obviously the deflated balls controversy. I refuse to use the gate at the end of anything, so I'm not going to talk about that. But today was a big day in the story because Tom Brady and Bill Belichick both spoke about the issue. Brady says, I did not alter the ball in any way and essentially pleaded ignorance. Bill Belichick had an eight-and-a-half-minute statement that I think was probably stronger than what Tom Brady said, really went through how he has nothing to do with the ball preparation. I'll start with you, Mark Sessler, since you wrote the Belichick piece. Are you buying what the Patriots First are selling? First of all, let's call it what editor NFL.com editor David Ely calls it, which is Balgazi. I don't like that either. I like Balgazi. What does that mean? It just means a, a fiasco involving the football, I think. Um, it, I don't know. I, I didn't even realize the Belichick news conference was happening until about four minutes after I got a cup of coffee. I'm sitting down and bang, this thing explodes. And like Belichick, who you, outside of his Friday pressers, when he'll wax poetic about something that happened in like 1971, he unleashed like a seven minute statement. Yeah. And I thought that he did a good job unpacking everything he could have said about his take on what happened. And it was pretty complete. I struggled with some of it. I mean, I just don't know where I stand with this thing. It's like I I know that I know that it's like it's not a big deal. It's not. It did, wouldn't have changed a second of that Colts game. They hammered the Colts. It has nothing to do with the game itself. But 
I don't know. The NFL's investigating it, and we'll have to see what they do. I'm not sure I'd, I buy things when Belichick says he's never touched a game ball in 40 years as a head coach. I wish you weren't a liar. Stuff just stands out to me, but I... I You're saying I'm, you don't know where you stand, I but don't know where off, I stand. off the mic, you seem like you were you felt a little more strongly What about I don't it. like, it's not that I know where this what this what what's happening in this case. Who am I to... I'm not investigating it. Mm-hmm. What I don't like in general is... And this has this is not exclusive to this. This is widespread over a decade. It's just sometimes what I feel is hubris coming from Belichick and the Patriots that it's like, and some of their fans that it's just laugh it off. You know, we'll roll right past this, and it's like, okay, you probably will. But sometimes it's not the easiest team to to root for on that front. Well, no, they play the villain role. I mean, they always have, even if the Spygate controversy, of course, and then now this, and there's been other things. They've always been the villain because of Belichick, essentially. But I, mean, still, I love Belichick, though. I mean, I respect Belichick. It's not a, it, uh, It's different than me also saying that I think it's a huge deal. I just think their response to it at times gets under my skin. Well, let's go and to I West. I know West disagrees. He's gonna. I can see it in his face. He's burning red. He can't stand any of it. I don't care for this story at all. I, I, I mean, we're asked to care about the integrity of the game two weeks after the best catch in the postseason was rolled a non-catch because nobody knows what a catch is in the NFL. So forgive me if I don't really care about the integrity of the game. Mm. When you're still throwing a pigskin, a prolate spheroid, whether it's 12.5 or 10.5 PSI, I don't think has that much of an outcome on the game. And their Super Bowl opponent has the most PED suspension since 2010. Mm. So if we're talking about the integrity of the game, I mean, I guess – there's a lot of things that you can get into with integrity of game. I mean, the, the Cowboys and the Reds. But it has nothing to do with the Seahawks, though. Right. The, well, but the Cowboys and the Redskins get fined, and they lose draft picks for taking advantage of the salary cap system for a while. And, like, you know, the Browns are being investigated right now. No one's comparing the Browns thing to this, and that just seemed like it was a, a meddlesome owner, perhaps, or someone on the franchise, someone. you know, doing something that isn't allowed. Mike Pettin talked about it today. No one's paying attention to that. But because it's the Super Bowl team and because there's just some sort of appeal to it, this story has crossed over into it's leading the nightly news and like CNN well, is talking about it. And because of Belichick's it's in the mor- past. It's right. not right. Belichick didn't happen in a complete vacuum here. It's because, wait a minute, to the average fan, oh, wait, this is Belichick again. Well, I think that's a big part of it. And I guess the way I look at that is soccer and football – both started with a pig's bladder. <laughs> since, I like where this is going. Well, since the middle half of the 19th century, the evolution of soccer has been to make it every generation an easier ball to kick. The evolution of football is to make it every generation an easier ball to throw. So at this point in time, we're supposed to have the easiest ball to throw possible. So it doesn't bother me that Tom Brady wants the easiest possible ball to throw. It just doesn't bother me. I mean, I can see why it bothers other people, but yeah, and that's that's totally fair. But I mean, I guess the reason that the NFL is investigating it, that there is a boundary for the how much it can be inflated, and it was drastically below it. That so that doesn't bother you it either. It doesn't that's bother fine. me one bit. But no. you do understand if that I they're was... breaking. A, that's not we don't even know if they. Let's just say it happened by nature, <laughs> right? Just say it happened. No, no. Let's not attach any person to it, but. It, it was outside of the rules, the way the balls right. were prepared. If I was Tom Brady, I would try to get the ball the easiest one to throw possible. And whatever the equipment team does that I don't know about, that's fine with me. And I think Andy Dalton likes a warm ball. Some quarterbacks like protruding laces. And Aaron Rodgers everybody, likes it pumped up as much as possible. Everybody yeah, has their preferences. There. And if you, 
if I can wash my hands of it and just get the easiest ball to throw possible, that's what I'd do as a quarterback. And, and Tom Brady – actually, right now we have a, our, our old producer, the gold standard, Zach, behind the mic. I just have to say welcome. And since, since Chris brought up this uh, soccer issue, I just thought, you know, you could chime in with your expertise. Here. Thank you so much. Well, no, I think Chris, Chris hit the nail on the head right there. That was fantastic. Um, Thank no, you, gold I'm, I'm enjoying this. Don't let me dilute the okay. conversation. Gents, okay. keep going. Well, one of the things that stuck out to me with the Brady – press conference was just that how uncomfortable he was that was one of the things I took from it Um, the fact that he said the NFL had not contacted him on Thursday was surprising to me and to me it indicated that this issue isn't going to be wrapped up anytime soon in case you thought it was I I didn't particularly think it was but it's going to be an issue I think that's obviously talked about a ton all Super Bowl week and I don't know if we're going to get a lot of clarity from the league I, I think we'll hear something from the league this week, but but that stuck out to me, and the fact that he was he he looked a little rattled. I don't feel he like he looked rattled. I mean, considering how he normally looks extremely composed, you thought he cried at one time. I'm not saying that he cried tears, but you know when you're about <laughs> to cry, yeah, and, and like his eyes got red and his face started to get flushed and his voice cracked a little, which we've seen with Brady before. That happened a couple times. I yeah. don't know why. Maybe he's just nerve ten times more press in there. Well, too. because they're I don't know why? Because it's the Flategate Gazi. Deflate Gate Gazi. This is a real thing, gentlemen. Wow, a sneak, a, a sneak a attack. We got hands this on something. the line. I've, I've listened to you guys the last 10 minutes talk about this, and I'm specifically Greg and Wes. I haven't said anything yet. I have been waiting to chime in. This is a real thing right now that we're dealing with, and it's an enormous distraction, and there, there could be some very real consequences. And I think the Patriots really kicked the hornet's nest here. And uh, it's good, it could lead to the Patriots losing this game. This is a real thing that can't be ignored. Well, I think it's, it's a huge issue when they've got 100. Even Tom Brady went out of his way to say this is very serious, is a very serious issue, and the way that they're addressing it indicates it's serious. The, the people in the room and how much he was rattled indicates he's serious. I look at it the other way, though. As a, as a Patriots fan who's not getting too caught up in the particulars of it, just because it doesn't get me fired up too much one way or another. That's just... I don't know, Greg. Lot, you what? like to say, like, Wait oh, when you're downstairs, Wait. you were in a certain way. Like, you are not making a big deal of it this downstairs. This is why, Greg. This I'm is not? why you feel no. that way. And I totally understand it. And I'm putting myself in your shoes as a Patriots fan, and all Patriots fans. You want this to go away. No. You don't want this chasing your team all week. You don't want it to be hanging over the legacy of the team. I don't care and about the legacy. It's going to hang over them next week. My immediate reaction, and it was to Dave uh, Damashek yesterday when we were sitting around, and I said it Monday to my friends who most of the Patriots fans are freaking out. They don't want this. They hate this. Uh, was that I think they'll react well to it. If, if, if you're going to take anything from you know thinking it might affect the game or not, I just think back to how they came out after Spygate and played the best six weeks of football they've ever played in their entire lives. And not that you need extra motivation for the Super Bowl, but as a guy that's been a fan of this team for a long time, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they come out and they play great after all this. Uh, that, that's more yeah. how I would expect it. I mean, they're playing – I don't remember – I'm sure there were a lot of tomato cans when they started destroying everyone. This is a totally different situation. Right. I mean, I have worries that they – even on their best day, if the Seahawks play their best, maybe the Seahawks are just a better team. But I think the way that this team has responded to issues in the past, I, I think 
just from a football fan and a, and a Patriots fan perspective, I was thinking I kind of like this. I, I didn't like the fact that they were that they're now favored in some places in the game. A lot of people I think are going to be taking the Patriots in this game, so I do kind of like the fact that they've got this little extra. I extra don't quite thing. know how you like it. What is TD behind the glass? By the way, it is Zach, the gold standard behind the glass right now. Hey, Dan. This is. <laughs> hey, what's up, Goldstein? What is going on? TD sets this whole thing up with me. He doesn't tell me he's not going to be there. Doesn't provide any <laughs> pop. Uh, he's supposed to be like my wrestling manager there. This yeah, classic TD. You just got Paul Heyman, man. Well, Paul what, Heyman. What uh, What are your What are your other hot takes since we have you on? Did you watch the Brady and Belichick pressers? Yeah, I watched. I watched all of it. I've been tracking this because this is a major story, and uh, I don't know. I think, and I got the same feeling watching Brady that he was. It seemed like he was on the verge of getting emotional, which. To me, like reminded me of um, Johnny Lawrence and Karate Kid uh, being told by the evil sensei what to do, and then he kind of uh, realizes it and realizes he's done wrong, and now he's caught in the middle of something that's bigger than him. Mm. I think Tommy's tied into this, and I think it's going to hurt him if it, if this story gets any bigger. And I really do. I know you say you don't think the you don't think this is something that's that's going to be taken care of quickly. I wonder. I don't know because again, this is now. Poor Roger Goodell. It has just been a bad year for him. I don't think we have to say poor Roger Goodell. Yeah, right. Roger. (laughs) Even though he's he's our boss's 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 boss. I mean, I'm not crying any tears. All right, here we go. Roger Goodell. It's been a bad year for him, and uh, I don't know. He's going to be he's going to be buried by this as well. He has a press conference every year before the Super Bowl, uh, and you know how that's going to turn out. I you guess. know, media day, and then and this is going to be this story the longer that it gets dragged out without any resolution. I guess I'm the only one who thinks it's just an incredibly silly story and that the best tweet of the day was from Jimmy Kimmel, who just noted that 50 college-educated adults are asking a grown man <laughs> if, if he took air out of a ball. Well, that is – I think you can believe that it's a story worth um, attention, which I do, and still – feel like that is totally true there is an element of comedy and farce to it all it's like it's a topic that's taken very very seriously by a lot of people and i understand why right right and it's about deflated balls and it's about a a very minor or relatively like arcane rules that no one ever knew about but it's a it's a big national story and it did feel like uh like at times right afterwards you know they, they go to cnn they're talking to Rick Santorum on one news channel for his comments on the balls. And at one point, a questioner asked, like, what about all the kids that see you as a hero, Tom Brady? And it, it, there is an Ooh. element to it that feels like it's an Onion Sports article. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, it feels like yeah, so no, surreal. I, mean, I think it's, it, at its heart, it's a silly matter in terms of what it meant to that game. But I, I do think that all of us, uh, everyone on the around the NFL team, uh, the New England Patriots, uh, other people in the media underestimated this story's ability to take off uh, the way it has. Yeah. And maybe we shouldn't have been surprised because it was the week heading into the Super Bowl and it had like this weird kind of quirky angle to it and it had all this Patriots or Cheaters backstory to it. So, you know, it's kind of annoying because it is going to be a major storyline throughout up until Sunday's game. The major storyline. Uh, no way to hide from, hide from it anymore. This is just a major story. It was crazy as it is. This is why Greg attached me to the Patriots I'm learning today. <laughs> Greg actually organized this controversy like two weeks ago. <laughs> it's I an d- outrage. I do. I like it because Mark is fired up about this issue. Wes clearly doesn't care at all. So I'm glad that Mark – I'm going to release the hounds. He's going to get to the bottom of this. By the end of this, the world's going to know Mark Sessler as the Woodward and the Bernstein Listen, of the Flategate. Here's what I, I told I, – I, I, 
Go ahead, Dan. I was hoping that Sessler was going to be spitting fire about this. I know. Well, I no, thought I, you were be. He was downstairs. No, I, I said I, the thing that bothers me the most, I'm not sitting here thinking that that ball changed the way that the Colts game went out. What bothers me and what's bothered me for some time is the hubris of the Patriots organization, which I sense at various times. And it's like your reaction can be, and I actually like Belichick, but there's times where it's like, oh, he's so smart. But there's other times, wait, he's just, he's just kind of a jerk to people, bottom line. I just feel that he is. And like, I, think I don't think you're alone in that sentiment. Well, and I think that there's, there's a, something about the Patriots that they put themselves in this spotlight because of their past actions. This didn't just happen now. People already felt that New England was always looking for an edge, like any football team, but they got nailed for it before. Right, and they were dumb enough for all this to happen. And it's not about the crime sometimes. It's about who gets noticed. Like, what what is a big deal when you mess up at work? It's not really the level of something that you messed up. It's just who above you happens to notice it that gets fired up about it. Dan, you and- know who's not going to get noticed? Who? The ball boy found along the Mass Turnpike. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, on the, he, he's Sally on the Mass Pike. will never be seen again. But it, uh, it, By the way, what, and I know you guys got to move on and I'm going to jump off, but I'm just curious. The other thing is, like, the mechanics of how the balls got deflated. It just, to me, it was like, if, that, if they actually, like, switched balls out and they actually snuck away with them and deflated them two pounds and then replaced them, it's like, what the hell is Bill Belichick doing and thinking? I to me, that's that's the biggest thing. That this guy, it seems like that's how he's going to be remembered as this Bud Kilmer will do anything to win guy when he necessarily didn't have to be that guy who's smarter than everyone in the first place. Well, Bel- Belichick came out so strong with his statement and other coaches that have come out. I, I do put more stock into what Belichick said today. That To me, it does seem like it's probably a quarterback and the equipment managers working together on the balls in general. And, and every head coach that's talked about it um, were, was pretty incredulous that, that any coach could be involved in that process. And every quarterback says the same thing. And they said, we're intimately involved in it. So to me, it, it probably it does seem like in the end it's going to fall more on Brady and that, that's going to be the conversation more than Belichick. Oh, it more won't fall on Brady. It's going to fall on some, you know, some person we've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> who who did Spygate fall on? Some videographer that essentially now is working at a CVS in central Oklahoma. Well, Belichick uh, did pay uh, the biggest fine in NFL time, history. Guys. I'm going to hang up and listen. <laughs> see, <laughs> all right, see you, Dan. Belichick did pay, what, $500,000, and they gave up a first-round yeah. pick. I think that was the biggest fine at, at, in NFL history. And we'll see. The point I was making about which people notice it, notice it from above, in this case, the American public is the above. And the NFL has to be so disappointed and furious or whatever, no matter what they think of this particular issue, that this is the national story now going into the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. Especially that the year they've had. All right, let's uh, move it, move on. Uh, let's talk a little football, and let's talk about a guy we spoke about during our coaching awards, Adam Gase. He has been hired as the Bears' offensive coordinator. Chris Wesseling, what do you think of this hire? interesting in that Gase is rejoining Fox, but I guess what I've taken out of the last two weeks from the Bears, they won't answer the question, but I I looked at it in week 16 that Jay Cutler was gone, and now I feel like they have no choice but to keep him with a new regime and see what Adam Gase can do with him. There's just not enough quarterbacks available that you can move on from a guy of Jay Cutler's talent. I mean, if the Bengals have come to the conclusion, which is not surprising because they're they're refused to move on from what is you know mediocre essentially, 
they're going to stick with Andy Dalton basically because they, just, they don't know where else to go. This offseason especially, there's no free agents. The draft looks like an absolute black hole for quarterbacks. So, yeah, you're stuck with Cutler, I guess. The f- when they removed the entire coaching staff and GM, that helped Cutler's chances of staying enormously because of the way that his contract is structured. You're essentially paying money, huge money, to get rid of him, which you're only going to do if, you, if you've if you made this evaluation that this is not our guy. If If it's more of a pain to get rid of him than it is to keep him and you're a new head coach and you're a new coordinator and a new GM, you probably think, well, let's give him one year and then move on after that. But but I like this entire Bear staff. We gave we gave Fangio the best coaching hire. I was just going to say, I, I find it interesting that John Fox already has a better coaching staff in Chicago than he did in Denver when he went to the Super Bowl. Hmm. I think Fangio is a uh, considerably better defensive coordinator than Jack Del Rio. It's a big upgrade. I mean, the talent is obviously a huge downgrade, and that's going to be hard for Chicago, I think, in one offseason to – I don't know. You know, I say that, but then I think about the Cowboys because – we looked at the Cowboys five months ago and thought, I thought they were a total train wreck. And with a lot of no names, frankly, they pulled off a big season. But they did it with a top three offense. They did. So I think you need they another did. side of the ball that, that can carry you. And yeah. we don't know if they have it, but they do have talent. The Bears have the, the offense, the talent on offense that, could, that has that potential. I don't know about the, the – I think they do outside of the quarterback. I just don't trust Cutler. I just think he's a depressed – if you're a Bears fan, that's a depressing situation because of him. I – I give John Fox over the years some grief that, in terms of his game management and that he doesn't feel like a coach that makes a huge difference. But this is one reason why you hire John Fox is that he has been around the league so long. He's good at all the organizational parts of the job. He's not trying to call the plays on the defense. And like Wesseling said, I don't know if any other head coach could put together a staff this good immediately as a new coach and John Fox just kind of lines them up boom 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 and that's that's why you hire a guy like John Fox to settle things yeah. down all right let's move on to uh, announcement the NFL made this morning about some early morning games in London in the coming year all three London games this year will start at 9 30 a.m eastern time that means 6 30 a.m pacific time Chris Wesseling thank you for volunteering to cover all three of those games well, I think it depends on what I did the night before. <laughs> I loved covering the one this year. I thought it was it just was it was it was fun coming in at six thirty in the morning. There were like six people in the whole room. I forgot there was a game that day. Wes, Wes, well, now that you're over when you guys now that you're in. biking to work, the six thirty a.m. shifts are a little trickier too. They are a little. It's harder <laughs> to motivate yourself for a half an hour bike ride into work when you're. Just waking up at five o'clock. Well, as the London expert, Zach, I feel like we got to get your your hot take on this. Well, more as an American fan who's you know relatively casual, but joining. Do you like the quadruple header? Oh, I love it. Do you like the morning games? Yeah. Well, I I think back fondly, and maybe this is just fueled by nostalgia, but I think back to uh, the NBA on NBC, for instance, growing up when they used to play four basketball games in a day. You'd wake up, have have your morning cereal. By the time you were having dinner, you're still watching basketball. I thought that was great. Help me out. 9.30 Eastern is 4.30 Eastern London time? It'd be 2.30. 2.30. Way yeah. off. That's all right. A couple hours. It was close. Way off. No, I'd be if I showed up at the time, it'd be middle of the third quarter. I get you to the were, game. You let yourself off the hook here. You were like three years old when you lived in England. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm an adult. I should know more about time zones. I, I love I love this because I love that game too. Anything that's different, I like. That was a great game too. Yeah, it? that was the end. Of I woke a up lot early. I didn't come in. I watched the, I watched the first half at home, and then and then I came in. But I think the NFL hit on something here because it gives these London games an identity too. That it's just something a little different. The NFL is always trying to create new properties, and now it's the new property is, hey, we've got a quadruple header. We've got a really early game. And now people remember and watch the London games compared to some, you know, Patriots Raiders bloodbath that, you know, only 10% of the country is watching. <laughs> well, they've got that, you know, nice little tag that the marketing department can use to wake up with Wembley or whatever. Mm. He's right. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, before we uh, get to that, we have to play, of course, the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. But the Pro Bowl draft happened this week. I know you guys were excited about it. The Pro Bowl is coming up. Andrew Luck was the number one overall pick. When did the, they start drafting for in the Pro Bowl? Last year. Last Come year, on, Wes. Wes. Oh. <laughs> we've, we've written many. Dan, Dan takes offense because he wrote a live blog one of the best things ever written on the Around the League page. Really? Yes. It, it was very entertaining. Last year, and you could you could find it. This was last year's draft. This year he just had some takeaways, uh, but I, I, you know, I suggest all of our listeners go check it out. Well, his takeaways were so, uh, you know, <laughs> precise and cutting last year, and they were hilarious that, let's be honest, Dan was asked to tone it down a little this year because we're trying to promote this event as some sort of heat-seeking football game. Well, I would take Andrew Luck with the number one overall pick, so I do think <laughs> that that was a smart choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, he. I think the Pro Bowl is about fun, and who's more fun to watch than Andrew look Luck? At, look at Wes selling now. He doesn't well, even I buy mean, this if, stuff. Well, I, I mean, honestly, we kind of rip on the Pro Bowl a little bit, but it's not geared for us. It's geared for 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds. Well, and I don't think Andrew <laughs> Luck would have gone first overall if a lot of the players that said they were going to play would have because mm. you had you had Chris Carter. Luck would be my number it, one overall pick. Well, I think he'd be ours necessarily, Odell potentially. Beckham. But mm. Beckham went very early, too. He went fifth. But you had Irvin, I think, who wanted Des Bryant. I mean, you talk, they talked about oh, this yeah. for a month. It's like they had their guys, and half their guys didn't show up. I, I like that what they're trying to do with the Pro Bowl. And people do watch the Pro Bowl. I mean, more people watch the Pro Bowl than like, baseball postseason games well, and, and certainly any well, All-Star game. That says a lot about and I wasn't making <laughs> or, fun I mean, of it. I remember when I was 10 or 12 and I was excited to watch it. Yep. And I think Same here. 10 or 12-year-olds now are excited to watch it. But, yep. I, I mean, for people like us who follow real football all year, it's not like high on our radar. The one thing they need to change, though, is calling the team by the name of the captain, Carter and Irvin, Chris Carter and Michael Irvin. Because when you hit the score button on NFL.com or ESPN.com, <laughs> suddenly a, an image comes up that goes that's Irvin versus Carter as like this. That's this week's scoreboard. And that's I don't know what was something you, wrong with that. What would you like? I don't know, like East versus West. I don't know. You got to come up with something, something that makes more sense than that. You can't do that every year. Um, let's, let's keep moving. If Dan was here, <laughs> the news would be over 25 minutes ago. <laughs> All right, roll on. The Saints ownership situation uh, came up in the news this week, and it was a surprise, and we won't linger on this one, but Tom Benson, the Saints owner, announced uh, that he will not be leaving uh, the team as expected uh, to his granddaughter, uh, Rita, uh, LeBlanc Benson and uh, her family, and instead is now going to leave it to his wife, um, who's been married to for 10 years. And I'm telling you, in New Orleans, this is a massive story. When you saw this, what what were your thoughts? I thought of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. It's like a John Barrent novel, some kind of Southern Gothic drama where it's all playing out. In Savannah, right? 
That was in Savannah, but New Orleans. I mean, same same type of atmosphere as New Orleans. It it is great stuff to read. Even though you wouldn't want to be part of that family right now, it sounds like a ten part mini series on HBO or Showtime. Like the drama of it all. We're, we're not going to get into all the details here, but if you go to Nola dot com or some of the other local papers, it is really. There's some wacky side details. Well, it's sure. just it's just it's a fascinating story. I mean, if you're into family and power and owning teams and it's you almost couldn't write it. And I don't know. Deflategate is really interesting. I, I get it for this most is people. Far more but isn't this like this isn't going to get nearly the attention and it shouldn't. I understand why it's not a national story. But isn't this like a more compelling, like no- novel worthy type of story? Yeah, I mean, especially if we could give the listeners details as to what it was about. <laughs> All right. Lastly, we'll wrap up with the Browns. John Filippo hired this week offensive coordinator. He mentioned in his opening press conference that the starting quarterback for the Browns next year might not be in the building yet. Do you like this hire, Mr. Sessler? Well, I mean, I you know, what do we know? I, I like him out of the gate. I mean, I'm allowed a, a touch of optimism every here and every now and again, and I think that he's oh, – here's the thing. The flip side would have been, if you're a Browns fan, watching them go get Matt Kavanaugh, who is, you know, an absolute beyond-the-pale guy that is not going to generate any excitement. They're going with a young guy that a lot of – you know, Adam Kaplan tweeted from the Senior Bowl that everyone was raving about him, saying it was a home run hire. Well, it's only a home run hire – starting in September. We don't know anything till then. Mm. So I'm going to hold judgment, but I wish him luck. And I think I'm just glad to hear them say that the quarterback situation is not being handed to anyone because it shouldn't. They don't have a starting quarterback right now. It is grim. I think what's going to be real hard for him and Petten is that they got out to a nice start and a nice story this past season. I don't think, I think they could have a flipped record. That's six and three could be three and six. You play the NFC West, a lot of the schedule's tougher, and you just don't have – Kyle Shanahan is not an easy guy to make up for, and I, a lot of things went right for Cleveland. That's not going to happen two years in a row necessarily. Have you been able to develop a sense of whether De, DeFilippo or uh, Greg Olson deserved more of the credit for developing Derek Carr? I mean, Olsen really, really gushed on – both him and Greg Knapp, the former coordinator, just said he's such a hard worker. And Petten said that when there was that rift between the Jets, Jets defense and offense, we read about that in Collision Low Crossers, that he said he was the only defensive coach – or offensive coach to Flippo that's light would be on when the defense huddled and went home. Hmm. That everyone else – so I, I liked him in his press Yeah, he's, he's articulate. He's a hard worker. They said he pushes – he pushed Carr very hard, and he pushes his quarterbacks – and keeps them accountable. That I, I think that Shanahan probably did the same thing, but what I'm hearing from various coaches and the way that are in the stories out there seem good. But if this is the time of year where every assistant hire looks like absolute spun gold, so let's wait and see. He also said he was going to talk to Brian Hoyer this week, which I found interesting. I know he's under contract, but I do get the feeling there's more of a chance of Hoyer being back there than we probably would have thought in the middle of December. And maybe from Hoyer's angle, too, where you realize you're not going to be a starter for another team. Okay, so that's the news. Got a good talk about Patriot Gate. I mean, or whatever we're calling it now. Uh, I'm glad Dan called in there. That was fun. But let's move on to something even more fun, talking a little football and breaking out a game uh, that we like to call Who Do You Trust? All right, so the game's pretty obvious. Does it really need any explanation? No, it's self-explanatory. What was the thing last uh, show that really didn't need explanation? Uh, Dan telling people about... 
I forget. This is great podcast stuff. I'm glad <laughs> I brought it up. All right, who do you trust? Gold standard. You know what to trim out of this show. Absolutely. Uh, this won't be in. You, so if you, it's in, I've made a mistake. You try to make us look good. TD, I feel like sometimes he's, you know, he tries to make us look like the ogres and idiots that we truly are. No, get out of here. You guys are sweethearts. All right. Play the game. Who do you trust? Dan Quinn or Josh McDaniels cooking up a championship winning game plan? I trust Dan Quinn because of what he did to the Broncos last year. He unfurled a masterpiece. And I remember writing an article on this with an interview with Hall of Famer Mike Haynes outlining exactly what the Seahawks did. And uh, Josh McDaniels, I think you never know how much of it is him or how much of it is Belichick. I, I didn't like watching Indianapolis let the the Patriots do their eligible play and just roll right into the end zone with it. Like They, they saw that happen before and didn't find a way to, to, to log it, figure out how to stop and be ready for it. That was bad coaching in my book. The Seahawks are not that team, and they have much more talent on the defense that's going to give you a A-plus a secondary if everyone's healthy. And they're, all, they're healthy. I mean, we've seen down the stretch they're the best defense in football. And, yeah, I, I, I think with West too, when you give him two weeks to prepare, everyone says that about Belichick. But Quinn all last year during the Super Bowl said, I am going to find a way to get to Peyton Manning, rattle him early. They, they laid it right on the table. They said, this is what we're going to do, and they did it. The quarterback must go down. It must go down hard. Right, and the weaknesses of Brady and Manning aren't aren't so different. Brady is not doing well throwing the ball down the field. Brady can get rattled. Especially a fully inflated one, Greg. Let's be honest. That's going to cause <laughs> tremendous Just problem a, for Imagine how, how well he'll do, uh, yeah, how poorly he'll do with that. And McDaniels, I think, deserves a little more credit probably than people give him just because their offenses have been much better when he's been the coordinator and they get a lot of credit for changing up what they do week to week. And I do think that's more McDaniels than anyone else, but he also can get almost inside his own head a little bit sometimes. And he'll try to cook up something almost trying to be too smart and they'll get away from just shocking. I think he's an upgrade over Gase. I think he's going to give Seattle more trouble than Gase did. I guess my point here is that everyone assumes the coaching advantage is to New England and Bill Belichick. But Seattle's got great coaching with Pete Carroll and Dan Quinn. For coaching defense, I mean, they're better coaches, at least by their track record over the last five years, certainly, than than Bill Belichick. All right, who do you trust? Marshawn Lynch having a legend-defining game or Rob Gronkowski having a legend-defining game? Ooh, that's a good question. You, you know, if this was in a vacuum, I would go with Gronkowski because he's the best ever at his position. Marshawn Lynch is not. But Gronkowski has to face a generationally great defense. Marshawn Lynch has to face a defense that can be run on at times. Hmm. So I think I'll go with I trust Lynch to have a defining game. Yeah, in this game, I mean, Lynch really, they've used him well down the stretch. I think that starting with that Oakland Giants back-to-back tilt there that Seattle had where he had six touchdowns in two games. He just has been hot and making difference, making plays every week. He looked fantastic. I loved last week when they were down 16 nothing. They were just getting their way back in the game. He refused to stop running. He was plowing through Green Bay guys. Took seven guys to get him down. A couple of big first downs. Mm. That's you know, listen, New England's defense has some strong points. I like their secondary, but run stopping is not going to do it. Let me predict Greg's answer here. Lynch, because he will touch the ball 20 times, 
Gronkowski is reliant upon someone to get him the ball. Might not, that's a Rosenthal answer. I love Comes it down when to numbers. Chris Wesseling is wrong <laughs> because I'm putting on my Homer hat. Of course I'm going Gronkowski. One of the greatest players in Patriots history, one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history. He's had a lot of great moments in his NFL career, but he hasn't really had a defining playoff moment because he's been hurt in those playoffs, and he's the X factor. I think he's the best player on the entire field, so I would just love to see Rob Gronkowski kind of maybe doing like the James Harrison play, except Mm -hmm. he's dragging four different Seattle Seahawks defenders with him for 40 straight yards for the winner. Incorrect to say he has not had a defining playoff. He has had some big playoff games, He has been out dancing moments after the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. That is fair. One of the worst um, moments as a fan slash media member in my life was trying to go to sleep after the 2011 season Super Bowl, and my hotel was right next to the Patriots (laughs) – team party i mean you walk from the stadium and the hotel you guys remember it in indianapolis or or you do mark the hotel was just you know a 10 minute walk from the stadium and right next to it is that minor league baseball field and that's where the patriots had their party and you don't think that the losing team has a party but they still do they still have the party. A lot of players don't necessarily show up. But I'm the, guessing Belichick wasn't there. Right, exactly. I mean, it's for Robert Kraft. It's Kraft whoever. was there. I remember being in the locker room, Kraft telling people, we're still having the party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I was in the silent loser's locker room, and that's what he was doing. Now, I could not hear Rob Gronkowski breaking it down you know, right next to me, but I couldn't go to sleep because the walls were very thin. It was right next to it, and they're cranking music till 3.30. I wasn't done writing till about 1.30, 2.30, and they're still cranking music and having a good old time, and I'm thinking, you guys are never going to win another Super Bowl, are you? you just I would blew love, it. in our situation, let's say Wes or I goes out, writes a story, totally blows it, gets the reporting all wrong, and, you know, we're an embarrassment on a national scene. Just throw a giant party for us after work. That's that's the equivalent. I mean, why are you throwing a party if you lost the Super Bowl? Marvel would come around and say, "Yeah, we're still having the party." Yeah, we're gonna have a, we're gonna <laughs> throw a giant party for you down at Cozy Inn because this is how it works. West getting bold, mentioning a shadowy league figure by name there. Oh yeah, I like it. All right, who do you trust? Uh, the Seattle Seahawks fan base to show up uh, after their poor performance in the NFC Championship, or or the Patriots fan base. Uh, but this is a pretty easy answer, right? I mean, the Seahawks are. I, as much as you ripped on them earlier in the week as just another average fan base. I didn't say that. I just <laughs> said I don't want to hear that they're so special when, you know, there's many great NFL fan bases. That's my main point. I don't think the point. Patriots are one of those great NFL fan bases, though, as you yourself have said. I agree with you. One economic factor, Seattle, smaller city, and if, if, if their dominance hasn't breeded as many bandwagon followers as New England's has at this point – there may be a lot of people that dished out cash to go to last year's Super Bowl, mm. and they just Ooh. can't do it again. That's too. That's very logical. But X Seattle, factor. Seattle in general, there's this is still new. Shorter to them. flight too. Right. Yeah, th- this is the same romance they were in last year. This, this is, is still fresh and new. This is me throwing a bone to the Seattle fan base after oh, they just nice slaughtered me all week. Look, relax. I mean, all I was saying. There's both other, of you guys have issues with this other, fan. other oh, great I've got major other great issues. fan base out there. But Seattle showed up last year. For sure. They, it seemed like they were everywhere they in, really the, in the New York area. I mean, also in the game, Denver had from one 18 seconds in and nothing to cheer the, about. So. The Patriots fans uh, are a mixed group, I would say. They did not show up for the last one in Phoenix, and I'm guessing that was because of travel. They showed up much better um, for the next Super Bowl after that. Yeah, and right they know that if they don't go to this one, there'll be another no. one two years <laughs> from now, and they'll just we'll go to that and, one. Yeah. And, and Patriots fans hate to hear it, but 
at what growing up as a big time sports fan, Red Sox fans really took pride in how you know, what, oh, we know when to cheer, and, and Fenway is rocking compared to other baseball parks, and it absolutely is, and almost like looked down on most other ba- baseball fan bases. Well, for football, the Patriots are kind of like those other fan bases. They're, it's, the football tradition hasn't been in New England as long uh, for 50 years in high school football and college football, not nearly as much as, they as were other one places. Of the That's worst all. franchises in the league until Parcells came there. And, some, in the, and sometimes right. that stadium's a little too quiet, you know, for my liking in big spots. But that's just me. All, all right. right. Who do you trust? Darrell Revis or Richard Sherman? I'm going to say Revis just because I don't know what Sherman's arm is going to be like. If If they were both healthy, I don't think anybody's played at Sherman's level over the last three years. But if he's dragging his arm around out there, I would have to say Revis. Yeah, I mean, you know, a week from now, the answer could be Sherman if we find out that he's absolutely fine. He is, he is practicing, right, Sherman? He, he's practicing fully. He's going to be ready to go. The only reason I, I With would— With both arms? He's practicing fully. He says no limitations. Earl Thomas sat out practice this week, so that might be that, a, a that bigger That concerns issue. me because Sherman, if, you, if Earl Thomas isn't healthy, that's going to impact Sherman. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Wes mm. here with Revis. I hope, I hope you're right. I, I think I trust Sherman a little better. I think— the fact they're both great, but I think Sherman's been a better player this year. Revis isn't quite as good as he was at his peak, but I do hope it's a case like Gronkowski where Revis, this is an all-time great player who's going to get his first and, who knows, maybe only chance to play in a Super Bowl. Against I a hope B-minus receiving He'll crew, be back you know? next year That's with a good the point. It's like, what are you going to do, shut down Luke Wilson all day? I guess that. I mean, don't tell Doug Baldwin I called it B-minus, but... <laughs> That's not their. They're, they got a lot of strengths in that team. That's not their number one strength. I mean, right? This isn't a creative uh, question at all. But who do you trust, Russell Wilson or Tom Brady? I think it's a fair one. I don't know if I have an answer. That's Ooh, tough. That's I a mean, good. Well, that's a good I, answer. I don't not itself. trust either. I mean, I trust both of them. I know, but you got to trust one more. That's the whole game. I'll, I'll give you my answer. I'll trust Tom Brady more, even though in the Super Bowls lately, I don't think they've been his best games necessarily, or. or even, for instance, the playoffs, he's been a little up and down. He didn't have a great first half against uh, Baltimore or Indianapolis. I'm still going to trust Tom Brady more because I think that Russell Wilson will face a tougher matchup in terms of the coaching and that it wouldn't surprise me if he starts seeing some ghosts and starts seeing some things that confuse him like he did in the NFC Championship. Russell Wilson's first six playoff games, I believe, are more impressive than Tom Brady's first six playoff games, even though Brady had the three Super Bowl titles. But I, I guess I'm going to say Brady because one of these quarterbacks is in the discussion for the best quarterback of all time, and the other one is not. So I'll go with the one who is. I mean, I think we're if we're talking about this game, we're talking about who do you trust to win. Just this game, yeah. And who to win. Not, oh, I, I trust Brady's going to have a nice game, but they're going to lose. He's got It's who's going to win. And, and and I think that Russell Wilson, mm, like last where, year. We know where you're leaning. Well, I – I think he has more around him. I think they have the better defense, and they've got a, run, a running game. I don't think Russell Wilson is going to have to do as much. I'm not going to have to trust him to do as much as Brady will in this it's, game. Uh, so I'm going Russell Wilson. It's interesting because I think Brady has made an art out of the one-minute drill. I think he's the best oh, one-minute drill and sure. quarterback ever. But Wilson's skill set, the Roger Stallback-like, Big Ben-like skill set to extend plays, lends itself to close games and playoff games more than any other skill set. Finally, let's uh, wrap up. We'll, we'll bring it back. Tom Brady's comments on deflated football or everyone else in the world's comments on deflated footballs? Well, well, hold on. Everyone else's includes some wild stuff. 
Okay. And I don't even know what I, everyone is everyone in the world, so I can't account for more than what I've heard four or five <laughs> people say. So I'll go Brady. Okay. But Brady has a lot to lose if he's found out to not be trustworthy here. I believe, I want to hope he is. I like Tom Brady. I'll say Brady. I saw a tweet uh, from Jim Miller, former Bears quarterback, who says he's been in the room before when Tom Brady has chosen footballs. Hmm. And he says there's no way I believe that Brady would purposely – have them deflated below what they were supposed to be. Well, and they were checked, right? I mean, not to get back into it, but whatever Tom Brady did the night before is not the issue. Right, they checked before so the game. That's not the something, issue. Something happened. Uh, I think there is plausible deniability. I think it's plausible that Bra- the equipment people just know how Brady likes the footballs, and maybe they're acting on their own. And right. Greg went Brady versus the Earth, and the Earth has a <laughs> lot of nonsense going on, so I'm not going with it. a lot of conspiracy theories on Earth. All uh, right. right. Let's wrap up with uh, – Thought in a in a conversation with a man who's usually in a haunted house, but this week he's in a haunted city, and that is Mobile, <laughs> Alabama, and that's where the Senior Bowl is happening. Connor, is it true that other things are happening in the NFL world other than discussions about deflations of football? It's very true, although I don't know how haunted uh, Mobile is. I haven't really gotten a chance to explore the dark side of of Alabama yet. I guess I'm thinking really more Savannah or New Orleans, those kind of towns. They seem kind of haunted. I've never actually been to Mobile. Maybe since I'm here with Chase Goodbread, the ghosts don't come after because he's an Alabama native. So maybe that's what, you know. They know not to mess with Chase from what I know of him. Best name in the NFL media news group, Chase Goodbread. Love that guy. No Best question. hair, too. Sounds like a third-string quarterback. Of Alabama, yes. Yeah, Chase All right, Connor, we haven't really been focused on the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, we only have a couple minutes to talk to you. Give us, give us one, or maybe we'll get into three, but give us your first big takeaway from the week. Well, um, you know, I think, and it's kind of what I wrote today, is I think that all these general managers, especially the ones that have the top ten picks, are scared to death to draft one of these two quarterbacks. And, you know, neither of them were here working out, and it didn't make it better that, you know, uh, Hunley from UCLA might be your next best option. You know, he wasn't here, and then you're left with kind of the, the Bryce Petties of the world, the Blake Sims, and they didn't blow anybody away down here. So I think it's just a really scary time if you're a first-time GM or you're a GM on the way out that's, that's looking for a quarterback right now. All right, well, by the way, uh, just to give you an update, Greg had to step away. A shadow league figure just pulled him out of the room. Not sure what that's about. Uh, There's but, some wild gesticulation going on. There is. Well, question for you, Connor. You know, you're down there. You're talking. You're seeing a lot of, you know, general managers, scouts, coaches. Come on, give us some – give us – what's a whisper? Give us something juicy that's going on that you're hearing at the bars out at night. Good question. Um, I would say probably, you know, the juiciest thing, again, is that, you know, it, it all centers right now. I mean, all the conversation really is focused around James. And and the the funniest thing is, if you listen to to scouts or coaches that are even preparing to even to to dig into this, I mean, a lot of them are feeling like it's not it's not a one man job. I mean, you can't just have one scout, two scouts in this. This is going to be uh, this is going to take an entire department of an organization to figure this guy out. I mean, that's how worried everybody is about something coming out after the draft, something coming out, you know, in the months after the draft, something happening after you pick them. So I think that that's what a lot of the big focus is right now. It's, it's, and it's really interesting. I mean, plus, plus you have the Saints kind of, uh, you know, just hearing a lot of interesting things about them just 
restructuring their organization on the fly in sort of a crazy way. But uh, well, yeah, I well, mean, let's not just leave that one on the board. You're not talking about ownership there. You're talking about what the front office and the coaches. Well, everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, from I mean, you know, word we got word kind of down here about what was going on with the Bensons. But you know, yeah. I mean, the first day here, you know, Mickey Loomis fires his the head of college scouting and the guy sitting in the stands watching a game. And uh, wow. you know, if, if you talk to anybody, you know, it, this is not the best time to sort of switch directions in your college scouting department because a lot of your legwork no is already done, and then all you really have is the combine left after this. And now all of a sudden, they're going to plug in a new guy and you know talk to just a few people around around the situation. And I mean, they're just like, this is crazy. I mean, <laughs> you know, what what's going to happen? And so, well, you're I saying Jeff Ireland's not going to bring an era of calm. Um optimism and competence to the saints <laughs> i mean even if he was john schneider at this point you know it, it's just a different way of doing things it's a totally different perspective and you know it's like hiring a new professor halfway through the course and being like yeah you know what we don't need to do this stuff we're, we're going to do it my way now and so i think it's gonna be really interesting fascinating to see what direction they're going to go in, in the draft because that's such a that's such a crazy kind of you know 180 from from the direction they were going in before all right connor Orr from mobile Senior Bowl. Actually, let's put you on the spot really quick before I say sure. goodbye to you. Give us one name that you've seen from the colleges. You're going to put on your little Draftnik hat. It's a dorky-looking hat. And you're <laughs> going to give us one name from that you've seen in Mobile that's going to be a name to watch. One day is going to rise up some draft boards and then have a nice little NFL career. And we'll put it all on you, Connor Orr. All right. Uh, I got two for you, okay. and uh, they're both small school guys. Can you not so... listen to the questions? I said one, Connor. <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, go it, to. All right. Two of the, the first guy, um, Jaquiski Tart. Woo. Uh, mm. Safety out of Sanford. Uh, Fantastic. Like 6'2". Um, I think uh, uh, one of our college football 24-7 guys uh, uh, wrote an article about how some of the scouts were saying that he really had SEC potential just totally got overlooked in school and then another guy uh linden trail uh from norfolk state was a florida guy are these real um, people with are those these real names I... <laughs> what was the first guy jaquiski what's that what was the first guy's name again jaquiski mm, i like that jaquiski tart with two t's and then uh linden trail um, and then if you can't find them online, don't worry about it. That just means that I haven't really been at Mobile. I just made the whole thing up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That, that's it. I was hoping you were going to go with Shaquille Elijuan Mason, which is one of my favorite names I've heard in a long time. And Mike Mayock has been talking him up this week. I mean, that is a name, Shaquille Elijuan Mason. Mike Mayock might like him, but Gil Brandt is a big Tart fan. Mm. So he, he's all about Tart. The first player from Sanford ever invited to the Senior Bowl. Even more than uh, in Cortland Finnegan went to uh, Sanford. So Ooh. there you go. Well, we're all about Tart too. We're all about Connor Orr. Uh, thanks for calling in, buddy. See ya. No problem. See, see you all in Phoenix. Yeah, see, see, you, see you in Phoenix. Connor Orr will be there. We'll be there. And uh, I guess that's it. We're Next time we talk to uh, all of our loyal listeners, and we thank you uh, for downloading the show. And, and if you can, tell your friends and, you know, put comments. We appreciate it all. I also wanted to – send out a thank you to Indy Sarah, who was nice enough to send my son Walker uh, a little onesie with the name, with the word Delaware. 
on it in honor of the greatest rock band of all time. And she'll be happy to know that we just told the crowd that you had been whisked out of here by a shadowy league figure <laughs> potentially into you know eternal doom, but you came back suddenly, so she's happy to know that, I'm sure. That was really a test. I was seeing if you guys would just handle it and I would be back before the interview and the was listener never would have Was it absolutely seamless? Uh, I'd like to think it was, yeah. You guys, you guys. That doesn't sound convincing. It was nice. It was nice. We'll see how it plays back to our listeners. I'll f- I feel good here. Zach is back behind the mic. You're not going to Phoenix, though, are you? I'm not. That's I'm too not. bad. But we'll, we'll we'll see you on the other side. Sounds It'll be good. the off season by the time we see you again. Uh, for Dan Hansis, who called in, and Connor Orr, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler. I'm Greg Rosenthal. We'll see you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.